Well, Christmas Eve blessings, friends. After four weeks of waiting and sighing and leaning forward, we've arrived at this holy night. And I hope that those of you who call this church home and have been here this month have found that our Advent has been meaningful for you. I love this season. The music, the prayers, all the visual symbols, the opportunities for giving special gifts. And yet, you know what? I I think that the best measuring stick for Advent is actually found in whether or not there have been some good connections between the Christmas gospel and the actual lives we happen to be living. The Christmas message ought most of all to mean something in our ordinary, everyday, walking around, going to work lives. Because the Christmas news is that God came to be here, right here where we live. And so our celebration on a night like this should be beautiful, but not so beautiful that it bears no resemblance to my real life or or yours. I've seen advertisements now and then, maybe you have too, for church Christmas productions. One I'll never forget said this. It said, There will be something spectacular for all ages, including ice skaters, flying angels, skiers, chipmunks, and a live nativity. This year's pageant will give you a taste of what Christmas is really about. Well, I'm sure many people were thrilled by that production. I have to wonder, though, if they got a taste of what Christmas is really about. Because what Christmas is about is God stepping into the unspectacular, the unextraordinary. Christmas is about God arriving in the middle of plain, mundane, ordinary, common lives of people like you and me and making a home there. You and I read this story, the one that we heard Aurelia read tonight, and it sounds so mysterious and exotic. But what we need to remember is when the Christmas story was written, it didn't sound exotic to anybody. It was full of ordinary places, ordinary people, and common current events that everybody knew about. Luke begins his Christmas account with some words about what the emperor was doing in those days and who the governor of Syria was. Caesar Augustus had passed some new tax laws, nothing exciting about that. And the governor of Syria was named Quirinius. Now, to us, those names sound like something straight out of an old Greek play. But these were familiar names that in that day you would have heard in the news at the town square. And what Luke is doing here by starting his account of Jesus' birth that way is to make it clear to us that Jesus came to us in the middle of ordinary circumstances and everyday events, which, when you think about it, is pretty outrageous. Because what this story is claiming is that the baby is the son of the living God, born on an ordinary day, in an ordinary place among common folk. You've got to be kidding. So tonight I'd like for us to try hearing the Christmas story in a more familiar setting just to put things in a present-day perspective and to give us a sense of how scandalous this news really is. So listen again to the Christmas gospel 
for 21st century people. In those days, when Donald Trump was president of the United States, and Nancy Pelosi was Speaker of the House, and Muriel Bowser was mayor of the District of Columbia, and the Washington Redskins had just lost to the New York Giants in overtime, a couple of kids from Hagerstown, Maria and Jose, newlyweds, caught a bus to Washington and stopped on the outskirts in the town of Silver Spring. Maria was pregnant, and not long after the bus dropped them off, she went into labor hard. The baby was coming quickly, and it was the middle of the night, and nobody was there. She wound up delivering her baby behind a Popeye's that was closed for the night. And there was a dumpster back there, and Jose found some cardboard boxes inside and pulled one out. And they wrapped the baby in his sweatshirt and laid him in the cardboard box. Not far away, a couple of truckers were driving south on I-95 and stopped inside an IHOP for coffee. And over by the marquee, they saw a stranger standing in a very bright light. And the stranger called to the truckers, Hey, great news! A baby has been born in Silver Spring, and he's the Messiah. He's the Savior of the whole world. And you will find him behind a Popeye's wrapped in a sweatshirt, and lying in a cardboard box. See, the names Caesar Augustus, Quirinius, Nazareth, Bethlehem, shepherds, and manger were as common and real and ordinary to their ears as Donald Trump, Nancy Pelosi, Hagerstown, Silver Spring, Popeyes, and IHOP are to our ears. And part of what the Christmas story means to do when it includes these details about Jesus' birth is to say, this is real. This isn't one of those once upon a time fairy tale stories. This is what happened in a particular place among particular people who are real and who are ordinary just like you and me. And this is part of the scandal of the Christian message. Friends, the Christmas message is not a doctrine. Our message is not a formula for living or a program you commit to, like joining a gym. Our message is that God actually showed up in history. And what's more, this eternal holy God shows up now in the plainest moments of our lives, in the most mundane circumstances, and the most unspectacular situations. Many of us, I think, maybe haven't caught on to this. Somewhere along the way, I think we came to assume that God is found in the most extraordinary event, whether the mountaintop experience or a terrible crisis. The problem is, most of us don't spend our lives way up here or way down there. We spend most of our lives right here in these ordinary days when we're not soaring and we're not scraping bottom. We're just walking through the same old days with the same old ordinary faces and feelings and jobs to be done. In fact, in truth, I think for many of us, the ordinary time is harder than the time of crisis. We just keep hoping for something extraordinary to shake us back to life. 
Which is to say, on most days, we're probably not really living. We're mostly on hold until the next euphoria or the next crisis. But see, I think this is where Christmas can help us. Because the news of this night is that God came down from the extraordinary and now meets us quietly in simple things, typical things, ordinary feelings and familiar faces. Tim and I have some dear friends in Waco, Texas, Randall and Brenda Bradley. I share a birth year with Brenda. And just before Easter this year, Brenda was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. She's been in hospice for a few months now, and we believe her time of departure is near. She may die even tonight or tomorrow. And ever since that dreadful news last spring, Randall has been faithfully keeping a Caring Bridge journal. I know many of you are familiar with this wonderful online tool for sharing updates on the health and well-being of people we love. Thousands of people around the world read Randall's posts every week. And what has shimmered for me since day one has been the ordinariness of the news Randall chooses to report, as in yesterday's entry, about lunch they ate on Sunday, meatloaf, new potatoes, baked green beans, and buttermilk pie. Well, of course, because this is the real stuff. And in the end, it is the little things that matter. God has come into all that is ordinary. And so, as Frederick Beekner says, this makes all moments key moments if we're paying attention. If you're anything like me, you may have had the experience of going to bed after Christmas Day is over, feeling kind of empty and disappointed, as if the meaning of the day had somehow gotten away from you and gotten lost in all the big gifts and the big parties and the big lists of things to do and things to be. But maybe in the end, the best celebration of Christmas really is in the ordinary pleasures and simple gifts. And so, because God chose to show up in a little child, on a common place, on a common ordinary night, I think maybe this means God is giving an invitation to you and to me this Christmas and every day, really. It's the kindest invitation you'll receive this year, and it's this. Treasure the little things. Celebrate the ordinary joys, like the shape of your daughter's face or your son's spontaneous outburst of laughter or the feel of your beloved's hand in yours or a cup of coffee with a good friend or some random act of kindness from a stranger at the grocery store or the color of the sun setting in the winter sky or an unexpected red bird perched on your back fence. Friends, God has come to where you are. You don't have to wait for the extraordinary feelings or signs to overwhelm you. Open yourself to Christ, which is to say open yourself to love and see how your ordinary experience can be filled up with the extraordinary presence of God.
Thanks be to God. Merry Christmas, friends. Amen.